afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone like me because, you know, there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily something soul-shaking. It might just be something I've been curious about for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style with a pastor is the best way to understand it. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Lance O'Donnell, pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions at any time by email to letstalk at kfuo.org. Or you can call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that number is 314-821-0850. That's in the St. Louis area, including Metro East. Anywhere in the lower 48, you can call us toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Lance, welcome back to the front porch. Good to be with you. Well, I tell you, you know, we're just going now at about 10 months of this shutdown stuff from uh, from COVID. Um, you know, here at the IC, at the International Center, we've been just running on a uh, skeleton crew. The uh, vast majority of the staff now is working from home. I'm actually doing that for about three and a half days during the week. But so far... I've managed to dodge the bullet. I have not gotten it, but you did. And uh, the way you described it was what? You got hit by a truck? Well, um, actually, <laughs> uh, I've described, well, you could describe it that way uh, for anybody who's ever had a hangover. Uh, that's, what it, uh, that's actually what it felt like, like a unrelenting hangover with uh, a 101 degree fever on top. Wow. What other symptoms? I mean, the, did you lose a sense of smell, a sense of taste, anything else like that? I, I didn't. Um, and neither did my wife. She got she was taking care of me and ended up getting it. Um, I had uh, 101 fever for about six days, um, felt just absolutely lethargic, and my oxygen got low. We, we bought one of those little monitors. I actually got, I got perilously close to having to go to the hospital. And um, yeah, how so, and then after, after six days, the fever broke, and I started to feel a little bit better. And you know, my I still don't have my full lung capacity back yet, and that may be because I haven't been super active. Um, so you know, we'll have to figure that out. You know, it's, it's amazing, really, how thin the margin is um, to have the oxygenation in your bloodstream between going well and going bad. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you, my late wife had COVID, uh, not COVID, pardon me, COPD. And yeah. uh, her oxygen, the crisis point was her oxygen went down into the 80s. And, yep. and she was just barely alive. Yep. Yeah, mine went to, I didn't actually tell my wife, um, but I, it was 92%. And that probably should have taken me to the hospital, or yeah. cl it was pretty close. Yeah, any more so, than that. I mean, as I said, my wife went down to eighty-eight, and that's that was the crisis. That was what he called nine one one. It was uh, yep. very unpleasant. But well, you know, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't quite. And we, well, I'll let you ask your question, but I, we should talk about why I, why I didn't uh, <laughs> want to go to the hospital because that should be part of the conversation. Oh, absolutely. I, if you're like me, you hate hospitals. <laughs> At least as and, a patient, and I, and I don't hate hospitals, and that's not why I didn't. Ah, 
Okay, well, well, why didn't you do it? Uh, because, at, you know, probably in day three, where I was just utterly miserable and the terrible headache and um, the fever and just just feeling lethargic, I, I thought, you know, am I going to die? And, you know, I knew that if I went into the hospital, given my experience as a pastor, there was a good chance that my family would not see me. Mm. And I, and I, I frankly, I said to myself, I would, I, you know, I would rather hug my children than die alone in a hospital. That makes a lot of sense. That's one of the things we don't think about nowadays, or, or at least we we didn't prior to COVID, was that if you do go in the hospital, you're there by yourself. They can't, they, your family and friends can't see you. Even your pastor might be restricted. Right until the very end. Right. Yeah. We. I've. I had. One full-blown COVID death. Uh, we've had a, a, cup, a couple other complications related to COVID, um, you know, where that was just kind of the final straw. Um, I've got a funeral a week from Saturday that, you know, that she had brain cancer, but, Ooh. you know, and also got at the end, got COVID. Um, so, you know, and we had a guy back in July, a long-term servant of St. Paul's, who uh, had just cascading issues. But, you know, it's in the middle of the quarantine, and this is July, and he knew, you know, they told him to go to rehab after serious, uh, various serious medical issues. And he said, you know, and they told him, you could you could live for two weeks, you could live for two months. Um, but he knew if he went to rehab, none of his family would be able to, to sit, visit him. And he said, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. And and he died at, he died at home. Well... I think that's probably the way I'd want to go. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember um, last time I was in the hospital was, was when I had my heart attack. Uh, and uh, I, really, I really wanted to go home. I tell you, I just wanted to go home. Um, and, of course, naturally, you know, one of the things you can do in a hospital is you can all pick up all these other diseases. That's what happened to me while I was there. Uh you know, they put a couple of stents in my heart, but then I managed to pick up a pericardial infection that just knocked me for a loop. I mean, I was out for like six weeks. Yep. So. Yeah, typical for stuff like that. I mean, I, I've had largely, you know, good experiences in hospitals, and our hospitals here have done well with people. But even so, right, that's, you know, I often wonder how people, I mean, necessary, but with constant poking and prodding and bells going off, and how do you get better? Um, we actually have a member of our congregation, Wilbur Peeper. Uh, God bless him. Um, Wilbur, we think, is related to the great Francis Peeper, uh, theologian and former president of the Missouri Synod back in the day. Mm. Um, Wilbur had serious in, uh, golly, was it November of uh, 18? Um we just we thought we lost him. They put him in hospice care, um, and in hospice care because he was supposed to die. Mm -hmm. And they took him off all his meds um, because he was going to die, right? And so his lungs uh, still filled with fluid. So, but he didn't have any other medications or pokes and prods. And so they drained the lung, and he felt fine. Uh, the lung filled up again, and they drained it again. And then it didn't. Then he didn't have any issue. 
And all of a sudden, so there he is, Wilbur sitting there in hospice, um, getting better. Um, and they actually eventually evicted him from hospice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a type of big, eviction I'm sure he could, he could well, stand. It's amazing. Yeah, Wilbur is a force of nature, right? They had this big party over there. At the, it's a wonderful hospice here in Oconomowoc called Angel's Grace. They do a great job for families. And um, <laughs> the staff all at a big party. You know, and they and they carted Wilbur out of hospice and off to an assisted living facility. I saw him last month, um, and uh, he got COVID and did better with it than I did, <laughs> and is walking up and down the hall with a walker. And a year ago, he was supposed to be dead. <laughs> so we love him. That's that's wild. That is just wild. You know, Isn't as I something? said, you know, I I dodged the bullet on COVID, but I have had influenza on two separate occasions, and you know, it was just, you know, I thought it was going to die both times, and was afraid I wouldn't. I mean, it was that oh, bad. Oh well. yeah. Well, thankful that you didn't have it. Um, you know, do you have somebody coming on that's going to talk to you about the vaccine? Uh, no, I hadn't had it planned. That might be something uh, worth talking about. Um, I know that at least one of the faculty members at Fort Wayne Seminary, um, who's a, a theological ethicist, ha is doing some research in this that might be helpful to you and, and to your listeners. Oh. Um, that if, you know, I don't know if you, I mean, I don't know how much of a front, but that's a decent front porch conversation for you. Um, some Somebody who's, you know, and he's pastor, but a, a theologian and a, and a guy trained in Christian ethics. Uh, Gifford Grobean is his name. That's a, um, that's that a might idea. be a really interesting conversation for you. Yeah, that's a great idea, Lance. If you can send me the contact information by email, I'll follow up on it. I think it's a really yeah, good idea. Yeah, I, and I think I think both of our seminaries and our commission on theology and church relations are are working on some stuff on the vaccine. But you know, people are getting it right now. That is the vaccine, and. Um, you know, they might want to be more informed about what goes into producing the vaccine and because there are some ethical implications for many people. Um, yeah, I understand that one of the uh, one of the vaccines that came out might actually have been derived from uh, from fetal tissue. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard it. I, and I think the Catholics, uh, the actually came out the I think one of the, the pope actually came out and said it was OK to take it. Well, yeah. And, and you know, again, I don't want to. Um, all I know is I, I know Gifford and some others are working on this issue. Um, my understanding is, uh, you know, I think almost all of them had some kind of fetal tissue involved in the development. Um, the even more, the more challenging ethical issue, I think, is the is using fetal t tissue for production. Um, so, but I'm not the guy to talk with about that so much is because you, I mean, Gifford's the guy to talk to about that or one of those guys that have really studied it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, th yeah. This COVID bug is really strange and it, like it hit you and you went down like it, like it, it was really bad. Now, uh, yeah. my nephew and his son and his wife got it and uh, the wife had terrible symptoms, but the son and my nephew were completely asymptomatic. Yeah, it's you know, most most of the people, frankly, that I know, and we've had a, my goodness, a goodly number here at my parish in St. Paul's over the last. Really, it's almost a year. I mean, I mean, it was probably January last year that 
people started to get it, Mm -hmm. but just didn't know. Um, So most of the people that I know that have had it, it's been relatively mild. And of course, we've had some, you know, um, some more significant cases. Um, You know, we had it, we had a death, Um, you know, some, a member of our congregation who had some lung issues and stuff. And when she got COVID, it was, it was over. You know, she was on a ventilator for two weeks and, you know, and then her poor kids had to make the decision, you know, and that's what, you know, to pull her off the ventilator and, and that was it. Yeah. That's Um, a horrible choice to have to make. It it is. And um, yeah. And on the other, right. On the other hand, you know, thank God our, our school has been open, you know, from face to face from the get go uh, this fall. Mm -hmm. And um, man, I did you know, that last year, well, the, the last school year was so challenging, uh, just being all locked away. I feel terribly for these people in other parts of the country that are still just utterly locked down. Um, the small businesses and just into kids, good gravy. Um, the screen addiction problems we're going to have and all the other stuff, <laughs> uh, the sense of isolation, the, I mean, what, I mean, suicide rates are up and, uh, medication rates and obesity and, um, you know, God help us to get past this sooner, sooner than later, because it's, uh, such a disaster in so many respects. Yeah. We're going to be feeling the effects of this for many, many years. Uh, one of the things I read, uh, recently that has really disturbed me is the, uh, idea of the zoom classrooms apparently just utterly failed. I mean, the kids are just I don't know if they're not doing the work, the parents aren't able to to go with them or whatever the heck it is. But, you know, we've got a, a, a whole class here, a whole group of kids are got, not have missed a years of education. It's really hard. You know, interestingly, Kip, um, my son Aiden is a junior at Concordia, Wisconsin, and wants to be a, a middle school teacher and a coach. And... Oh, golly, last, so last year, I think it was in May, so near the end of the school year, um, you know, and we were all in quarantine, and uh, I did a Bible study with our faculty uh, over Zoom, and uh, since Aiden was home, I invited him to join us, um, and he was able to join us for most of it before he had to go to, to class, and we were talking, we were talking about, and this is, you know, this was back in May, so we're March, you know, we're, we're three months into the quarantine thing and we're, we're kind of hashing through, uh, we were looking through different Greek words for teaching. And one of those is katakao, which means back and forth, you know, kind of oral teaching. And Aiden said something really profound along the lines that I think you were talking about. Aiden said, and he just hated the online education. He said, teaching is about correction. And you can't really correct kids over zoom or, you know, in the way that you can in the classroom. Um, You know, you, it's often a teacher has to pick up tone of voice, nonverbal cues, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a, and a kid actually has to raise his or her hand, um, you know, and ask to be corrected. And, you know, a lot of kids don't, I mean, some kids do, but I think most kids don't. And so, you know, in person, in many respects, is way, way, way more efficient than than the Zoom thing. You know, saying you know some online is better than others, but uh, you know, I don't think anything replaces uh, you know the one-on-one kind of or the the face-to-face where you get all the 
you know, all the bodily cues and verbal cues and all that stuff that works that works together to help kids get uh, get the correction that they actually need. Well, it's going to be interesting because uh, I use the word ironically, but but, uh, you know, some of the religious schools and some private schools have not been subject to the closure orders orders that uh, pr- that public schools have. And, of course, and there's the idea of the charter school and of uh, of a homeschooling. Sure. And it'll be interesting to see if some 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 enterprising academic should sit down and do a study on how these various kids performed. You know, if the, the homeschooled kids as opposed to the Zoom kids as opposed to the the charter school kids or the private school or the religious school kids. I think that'll make a, an intriguing topic for uh, for research. And uh, I suspect it's uh, going to show that homeschooling and the private schooling are, do, are doing quite well. I, I would imagine that's going to be true. Um, you know, and in a good reasonable study is, is a, I think also going to show, I mean, we there have been some really heroic efforts by teachers uh, to pull off, uh, a reason, you know, a reasonable online education, um, you know, public school and private school teachers, you know, there's just been a, it's, a, there's also been a flurry of creativity. A lot of, you know, you, you have seen, you know, most people that they, you know, some people, for some people teaching is a job, but I think for most people who go into teaching, there's a sense of calling, mm-hmm. you know, whether, and certainly if you're a parochial school person, but also if you're a public school person, and some of those teachers have just, you know, I should say a lot of them have um, really, albeit pulled their hair out, you know, trying to make things possible for kids when they have to go online. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, uh, Christine McAuliffe. Remember, she was the uh, the teacher who was killed in the uh, in the uh, Challenger disaster. Yep. And uh, she once said, and uh, I'm trying to, I'm hope I'm quoting her correctly. She said. I've seen the future because I'm a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's that's well, that's one of those events. You know, we talked about these things, events in our lives that we remember. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where were we when that happened? I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Um, it was kind of strange for me. I was working for a radio station in Ventura, California at the time. Uh, but my dad, who had been uh, a CBS employee for many, many years, had retired down to Florida and had actually been contracted with CBS radio to cover the the launch. Oh, wow. And uh, so I remember I actually had my dad on the radio in, in uh, the California station where I was working. And, and, oh, wow. And talked about it. Uh, but you're right. You know, it's one of those, those times when you just, you just stand there. And I'm sure, you know, we're going to be doing the same thing here about COVID. This is going to change a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, What's going to happen, for example, with uh, the small businesses? Yep. This has been the backbone of our economy for so many years. And, and it's so frustrating because it was doing so well before, the, uh, before the, this thing hit. The economy was just roaring. Everybody had a job. Actual, actual wages were raising for the first time in years. Yep. And, what's and now we will have mortgaged ourselves to the hilt. Oh, absolutely. As a country and, and many people personally and others bankrupted. Yep. Yeah, and it, it's scary. It's, it's really scary because, uh, you know, a lot of businesses are not going to come back. And the way we do business is going to have to change. I mean, just look at the restaurant business. How can they possibly survive? 
Yeah, some of them, depending on where they are. I mean, our folks around here, um, I don't, I don't remember if I've seen a closure. We had, we actually had a new condo go up right across the street from the church here, and mm -hmm. there was a, um, it's kind of a high-end condo thing. We're near a lake, and uh, at the base of that condo complex, it was a steak and seafood place that opened. Oh my goodness! I mean, I think they were open two months. You know, I'm trying to even not even that, uh, maybe a month <laughs> when COVID hit. Um, or you know, yeah, and they went under. Oh, that's terrible. Well, they didn't go under. They're still going, and that's why uh. I say you know around here, uh, it's kind of remarkable. It seems like thus far, we're doing okay. Although you're right in Wisconsin, you can go to a restaurant. Mm. Um, you know, and and you know that's that's an issue for many for many people, but. Um, you know, Wisconsin, you can go to a you can go to a restaurant. Uh, you know, in different municipalities, that's not necessarily true. But around here, you can, and 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 people have gone, and we you know we did our best to support the the local establishments. I don't. I'm trying to. Th I there probably has been one locally that's closed, but you know, I I don't know of any offhand, which I think is remarkable. Well, we've lost uh, we've lost some good restaurants, some historic restaurants here in the St. Louis area because of that, and uh, you know, it, one in particular was a hangout for the for the press, yeah, <laughs> in St. Louis, and uh, that one went under. Um, and that know, is a and that's a huge cultural loss. It is. It is. You know, people don't think about that, but you know, there is. I mean, there's. Uh, it, it, uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Uh, well, when I lived in Alabama, uh, for example, uh, there was this one place I used to hang out at. It was called Trinities of Old Mobile. Neat place. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was a gathering place for journalists and for attorneys and for people for the uh, for the DA's office. Occasionally, local politicians would show up there. And uh, darn, I got more good story tips from that place and it was it really was just a it was a cultural thing and uh just don't see that much anymore eh, different times yeah and you know you we want to think one some months ago like for example back in may um you know we went into quarantine in march and in may we we in wisconsin anyway we were able to reopen you know the wisconsin supreme court overruled the governor mm -hmm. and told the, you know, and allowed the, that allowed, um, you know, most businesses and churches to reopen and have people in the pews again. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, a week and a half later, we did. And, uh, you know, we were, my secretary and I were talking, you know, a month later or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, the people didn't really come back. I mean, there were a good core group, but a lot of people stayed away. You know, we expected that people would be so thankful to be together and all that, um, but they, a lot of them didn't. Um, and you know, and then, and then we had in the fall, then we had the you know what whatever the second wave of uh, the you know of COVID come, and that really just cemented it. I mean, Christmas was weird this year. Oh, wasn't it though? Gee. Yeah, Christmas you know, I, was. And I, I didn't was, even go to Christmas services. Um, I'm in a high risk group, okay, because of age yeah, of and things. So, and and I, I've already spoken to my pastor about it, and he's very understanding. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been a weird, weird Christmas. It's been a weird Thanksgiving. Uh, just that whole period of time was just very unpleasant. And it's something that we're going yeah, to Yeah, well, well, Kip, for, I mean, that's, I mean, you're, you're an example, right? You're a high risk, you know, higher risk group, you know, person to sort of stay away from it. And we have a goodly number of those here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you're right. I get it at the same, at the same time. You know, you folks who who appreciate the centrality of worship not being around is um, is a blow uh, to the life of the church. And you know, for for those of us who are either healthy enough, or you know, or past COVID, or whatever the issues are, who are coming, um, you know, it has it has the COVID has decreased the number of volunteers available. Uh, while simultaneously increasing the need, therefore. Mm. Um, well, let's let's talk about this again. Uh, we've got to take a little break now, but we've got sure. a lot more coming up. And I, I specifically want to ask you how having COVID affected your, your faith and how it carried you, you through or how that worked. But we'll be right back right after this. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Too often we are looking down, literally. We look down, down at the phone, down at the bills, downcast because of our problems. But Jesus comes. He comes into the real world of real people with loving kindness. Dr. Dale Meyer this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Village Lutheran Church at 1040, as well as Bible studies from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. A hardened ranch hand bears wounds from the past. As hard as I might try, there are people I cannot forgive. But can he overcome his bitterness? Your memory of your pain is greater than the memory of your deliverance. To protect the son of his best friend. I would give my life to save yours. When Quicksand threatens to kill him. Don't do this. Quicksand, the exciting new audio drama on the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Here's an interesting fact. A group of anthropologists from UCLA did a study of American homes. 
they found that 9 out of 10 homes had so many things stored in their garage, they didn't have room for their cars. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you thrive with purpose. You know, it's no secret that Americans have way too much stuff. And if you're like me, you probably have more clothes, toys, and electronic gadgets than you'll ever use. So before you buy more, take a look at what you already have. Do you really need to buy something new? Or will it just add to the clutter in your home? God wants us to have what we need and to give generously to others in need. You can do this by using your money wisely and not buying too many things that you really don't need. So if your garage and closets are filled to the brim, think about how you can be happy with less. And there's a nonprofit near you that could put your extra to good use. In doing so, you'll live a more content, confident, and generous life. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk to Pastors and I'm program host Kip Allen. And my guest pastor today is Lance O'Donnell. He's the pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc. I always have trouble with that. Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Lance has just recovered from uh, from COVID, although I understand you're still having some little bit draggy and some some after uh, after effects of that. Uh, and I know that you felt that, especially in the third day, that you were really really sick and you were really feeling poorly. What about your faith? Did that help you get through? How did that work? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I don't want to be overly pious here um, and say, you know, I was Mr. Pillar of Strength and, you know, nothing was going to take me down. I, you know, in the midst of it, when I got, you know, probably it was probably day three somewhere, you know, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm isolated in my master bedroom and you know, one kid off at college and the other working and, you know, the other two in school and I'm, you know, there by myself. Um, but I felt lonely. Um, it's interesting. The, I did, I couldn't really, I couldn't read the Bible. Um, I couldn't really even listen to podcast preaching. It is interesting, Kip. The only the only sounds really that I could tolerate for a while there, and that I really wanted, uh, was choral music. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Luther, right? I, I, um, listening to um, Lutheran choirs, I, I wanted to hear deep. Uh, I wanted to hear multiple voices. I wanted to hear some of the deep theology. I didn't want mushy. You know, everything's going to be fine. Garbage. I wanted stuff that spoke about the reality of life and death, and with multiple voices. See, you know, I could only tolerate it for a couple of days. Um, that was the only only really voice that I wanted to hear. <laughs> I strongly um, recommend the National Lutheran Choir. They're fabulous. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't. I wasn't. You know, I'd like to say I was sitting there in my bed feeling miserable reading my Bible. I wasn't. I, I just mostly I was sitting there in my bed feeling miserable. Um, you know, we even pulled up a TV from downstairs that was Internet connected so I could try and watch sports or something. But I got sick of sports jockeys jacking back and forth at each other. Um, just couldn't take it. Um, but for, a, you know, for a period there, all I wanted was uh was to hear a choir wow that's interesting 
<laughs> it was interesting. You know, it wasn't utterly surprising to me, but, you know, I just, I, I didn't want, I couldn't, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't just read my Bible. I didn't really even want to l- listen to my audio Bible, um, but I could listen to a choir. Um, well, you know, my faith actually got me through on my heart attack, uh, but in a little bit of a different way from you. Now, I was not reading the Bible while I was in the ICU, um, but the thing was, is I was either going to live or I was going to die. And either way, I was going to win. Yeah. Either, you know, God was going to restore me to my family or friends, or he would call me home. And there was this wonderful feeling of peace, because I knew no matter what the outcome, I was going to win. Well, yeah, you know, and, and having COVID was, for me, really a tipping point. Um because when the quarantine first went down, you know, I, I had had, um, you know, I'm on a blood thinner because of the, all the the pulmonary embolisms or blood clots I had in my had in my lungs after my knee surgery Ouch. in 2019. So when all this stuff went down, you know, when we were we're talking with the elders, we were you know we were we were a little extra careful. I mean, we really, um, you know, we didn't have me out and about among people. Um, because we weren't sure what we were dealing with yet, and we were extra concerned uh, about m- my personal health, um, you know, and with a family with young children. And um, and probably, you know, in retrospect, too cautious. You know, there lot, everybody can look back at hindsight. But, um, you know, once in the middle of, in the middle of my, you know, back in November, in the middle of my, COVID uh, symptoms, wondering whether I was going to recover, I did hit a tipping point where I thought, you know, well, I might, I might die here. And if that's the case, I'm not going to the hospital because I want to hug my children mm-hmm. and tell them I love them. I want to tell them personally that the Lord's going to take care of them. You know, and that, I mean, that's really the main reason I didn't want to go to the hospital because I didn't want to get stuck and get, get so sick and, you know, be put on a ventilator where I couldn't speak to my children. I, I got to the point I would rather be able to speak my, speak to my children if necessary and tell them I love them and that the and that the Lord who the Lord who kept, you know, my family when my, you know when my dad died young that he would keep them too. Um, that's why I didn't want to go to the hospital. Well, it makes a it, lot of sense. Silly as that may sound. Well, let me ask you about St. Paul's. Uh, here you are yeah. the, the pastor at St. Paul's and you're you're down for the count. How did the business of your congregation go? How did it continue while you were out? Well, great question. Um, I was supposed to be in an elders meeting the the night that I tested positive. Um, I tried uh, to uh, help them, you know, because we were talking about some COVID protocols and stuff. Um, I, you know, I tried to, I tried to join them via Zoom. We had issues, but I had, you know, I have good elders. I mean, and thanks be to God, um, I have, we have a, we have an interim uh, part-time associate pastor um, named John Kelling, who's retired. And, uh, and John just stepped right in. I was supposed to I was supposed to be at the end of that week. I was supposed to be doing the funeral for the woman who died of COVID, mm-hmm. and um, and I couldn't do it right because I was in. Well, I was sick, and 
you know, and in quarantine. So um, thank God we had John here. So Pastor Kelling took that and, um, you know, did a great job. So I, I had help and I have, you know, and I have good lay leadership. So, you know, we marched on. Uh, clearly they were ready to have me back. Um, but, you know, I was, I certainly wasn't full strength when I got back. Well, you know, this is a, a, a good learning lesson, I think, for all of our congregations is to plan for if, to plan for something like this, because it does sure. happen. You know, if, if the pastor may suddenly have a stroke, he'll get hit by a car, uh, there will be some kind of a disaster. And, you know, there, there should be some kind of a plan in place, I think, for all congregations. What will we do in a situation like this? How can we continue to function as a, as a congregation? Yeah, most of uh, most of us don't do that. I have a neighboring pastor, uh, Dan Torkelson, who's our first vice president here in South Wisconsin, and um, Dan tested positive for COVID on Christmas Eve. Oh boy! <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, but he and his elders had already had developed a plan uh, that if something like that happened, you know, what they would do, and so. Um, the, you know, they went virtual for Christmas Eve, and Dan's a, got a big family with musical kids, and so I think they did something from Dan's living room, um, and you know, unfortunately, his symptoms weren't really bad. And then uh, we had a past our our mission executive for South Wisconsin, uh, Jonah Burakowski, um, who's about to head out for the, the Dominican Republic for um, the Office of International Mission. Uh, he was supposed to help me out on Christmas Day just to be my liturgist because uh, they live nearby. And uh, so I loaned Jonah to Dan, <laughs> uh, to, to, to St. John's in North Prairie. So, so I did Christmas solo um, so, that, uh, so that the people in North Prairie could have word and sacrament on Christmas Day. And that's, you know, that's the advantage in my part of the world you know, you've got a, a goodly number of Lutheran clergy around where if somebody's in trouble, you know, you, you can share and um, and help one another. If, you know, further out west where, or other places where we're a lot more spread out, that's a different ballgame. Yeah. Well, same thing here in St. Louis. I mean, we've got, <laughs> I mean, yeah, this clergy is up Zion, the Zion on the Mississippi, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there are Lutherans everywhere here, thank God. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, you know, so I mean, there, you know, lots of parishes too, but oh, yeah. you know, retired guys around, and so yeah, in other parts of the country, uh, that certainly would be the case. So yeah. you know, I have a part-time, you know, retired associate here who was able to help when I went, when I got sick, uh, but not every, not everybody has that. Yeah, and so that you know, the congregation, and we have strong lay leadership. The congregation did well. Yeah. Well, my pastor was was down was ill, but he didn't have he did not have COVID, uh, but he was ill and he had to call off at least one uh, one uh, worship service on on a Sunday, which is rare yep. for him. I think it's the only one he's ever missed in like sixteen years. Uh, yeah, but um, it, it, we do have uh, my congregation does have another pastor who stands in uh, when the, if there's a problem, but he's the the man was quite elderly. Yeah, and uh, so my pastor decided perhaps it would be better just not to do it than to bring him in and perhaps expose him to things. So sure. I think it was the right decision to make. But you know, it's yeah. a tough one. It's a tough decision to make. Um, well, and you've been you know you've been pretty isolated 
for these months, you know, because of your risk group, mm-hmm. let, you know, if I may return the question. So how has this affected you faith-wise? I think it is, it's, it is reinforcing it. Um, you know, this is, this is one of those things where we don't understand why God is doing this. But there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it. Uh, I also know that you know I really missed not being able to go to church. Uh, yeah, and that's 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 something that has really helped me on that. Uh, and and of course, you know, if, I'm I'm blessed in that I work directly for the Senate. Yes, and so I'm exposed to many many things that uh, that the average parishioner would not be. And uh, that that is a wonderful blessing for me. So you know, this thing hasn't hit me as hard as it would have hit you or other people, for example. Uh, again, I've not been sick. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never say that. You know, it's going to happen. No, I, I I've not been ill. Um, and I know it's going to pass. I know there's a purpose behind it. Durned if I know what it is, but there is a purpose. I have no doubt. Yep. Yeah, it has been a, this has been a faith challenging episode um, or experience or whatever you want to call it in, you know, in ups, ups and ups and downs uh, for sure. Well, i tell you one thing that has helped me is the portals of prayer. Okay. And I have the I have portals of prayer. I, you know, I, I've got a home office now where I do most of my work, and as well as my, my studio up here. Uh, but that helps. You know, I can do my my worship every day, just through mm-hmm. portals of prayer, and that has helped a great deal. And that's something that I urge any parishioner out here who is is having a problem or isn't able to hear the message, get a copy of Portals of Prayer. It'll help you through it. And do the daily devotion, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I was just talking with somebody to, uh, today about that very thing. Uh, and the, the, habit, also, the habit of the daily devotion. And I might also suggest there is, of course, worldwide KFU. <laughs> so yeah. as long as you got access to the Internet or to a radio, the message is here. You know, we're, one of our logos, logos is uh, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. And that's what we do mm-hmm. here. Um one of the things that, that I really enjoy doing uh, a promos for is, you know, we do our, uh, we air several uh, church services on Sundays. And the thing is, is that, you know, there are people who are going to be homebound. There are people who are traveling. There are people who simply cannot get to the church service, but they can worship with us. And I consider that an enormous privilege on, on our part. Uh, I feel privileged that these people will worship with us not that we're doing something for them they're doing something for us sure yeah so we are living (laughs) we are living in strange times you know another another uh, aspect to look at is uh uh you know how how the local and state governments are handling it you live in wisconsin and your governor has been somewhat draconian in uh, california they're essentially shut down, as they are in New York. Here in Missouri, we're relatively open. Uh, Illinois is, is another thing that's been shut down. And uh, we have benefited here, I think, from having a divided government. 
Ah. Um, yeah, because I, I, our, our Democratic governor, his instincts were a lot more locked down. And if he had not had to deal with the Republican Assembly, um, we would have been a lot more locked down than we have been. So, you know, the, I think the people, and, and I think we're doing okay. Um, I mean, all the, you know, the, the places that are super locked down, like California, are also, you know, or New York City, are in big trouble with spread, even though they're totally locked down. And mm-hmm. uh, we have not been absolutely totally locked down. People have been living their lives, and COVID has spread, but it, it hasn't has not been an utter disaster here. I'm going to be very, very curious uh, to see how California recovers after this. Um, part of it is, you know, I lived in California for 30 years, and I, I still have a lot of friends back there. And uh, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they come back, because the, the lockdown there obviously has not worked very well. They've still got a huge COVID problem. Uh, Part of it, frankly, is uh, they've got an enormous population of illegal aliens. And remember, when they come into the country, these people have not been health checked. We don't know what's going on. Uh, And I think that's going to be a factor. And, of course, because of the sanctuary city uh, and the sanctuary state policies they have, they can't get a handle on that. Um, It's going to be interesting, and uh, it's probably the, the wrong word to use. But when this thing is over... There's, we as a people, as a society, as a country, are going to have to take a long, hard look at ourselves and see what we did right, what we did wrong, and what we can learn from it. Now, right. my fear is that ideology and narrative is going to interfere with an actual investigation of this. Um, it's easy to turn a blind eye, especially if, if the evidence shows that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I can tell you right now, I will be more predisposed to vote for somebody who's willing to admit that they're wrong okay. or have been wrong or made a mistake. Um, you know, anybody who says, you know, ah, you know, I, I did it and is just utterly self-defensive. Anybody, nobody, anybody that says I have absolutely no regrets, um, I'm not as terribly interested in <laughs> uh, because I just don't think that's honest. Of course, you know, you got to, you know, we're Lutherans. We know how flawed we are. I mean, I, I when I do go to communion, I mean, I know by the time that I get after, I, by the time I'm walking back to the pew, I will know I will have sinned. Yeah. Well, we have a great advantage in the church versus our politicians because, you know, we, I mean, we come, we come to worship. We come to the Lord's Supper admitting that we're broken people mm. and 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 you know it's part of coming into church is is doing that collectively recognizing that we're fallen and we need help that part of the challenge in our civic life is you know if a guy if if a guy admits that he made a mistake in judgment it ends up endlessly repeated you know rather rather than allow the guy to learn from his mistake we end up beating the snot out of him uh, indefinitely, and so he doesn't feel like he can admit or that he's learned something or that he's changed his mind. Well, I think your son really put his finger on it when he said, you know, teaching or learning is being corrected. And yeah, if you can't be corrected if you don't admit that you that you did something wrong. Yeah, or even that you made an error in judgment. You know, I mean, it, 
um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a, you know, a grave sin. You know, I mean, it just, it, I mean, all of us live knowing that hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we should probably, <laughs> on the tail end of this, uh, we should probably allow some of our elected officials some leeway on that. Uh, we'll see whether we do or not. But that's not that's not the way we campaign. Um, I would have loved to heard that in this election. It was the right election for those those candidates who were running for president to say, well, you know, well, we went into this thinking this, and then it didn't turn out to be that. We sure didn't hear any of that from the president, and we certainly didn't hear any of that from the president-elect. No, we didn't. Uh... The only one I think who who actually did admit the, some some wrongdoing or, or bad judgment I think was uh, was Pence, but Pence is a dedicated Christian, so yeah, that that sounds about right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that Mike Pence was actually honest. Um, <laughs> but again, that's that's something that we Lutherans have, and that's one reason I'm so glad that that I am Lutheran is that I know I'm broken, no ifs ands or buts. I know it. And I also know that I'm forgiven <laughs> simply for asking it. Indeed, in you know that that is the great pleasure of being uh, a part of a part of Christ Church is to you know is to be able to it, it's just it's liberating, um, you know to know to know God's forgiveness and you know you know not just from God but from also from His people mm-hmm. you know and. You know, we made you know we made some decisions here. I mean, you talk, you asked me about spiritually how I you know how COVID affected me spiritually. Well, you know, I have a parish of nineteen hundred people. Wow. You know, and um, nineteen hundred baptized, and um, you know, we went. You know, when all this went down back in you know in March, you know, we went. Uh, we went into full lockdown. You know, we had, you know, we didn't have anybody in. I didn't do drive-by communion. Um, we just, you know, we fasted, we recorded the service, and we put it out to people. And, you know, a couple months ago in a homily, you know, I told I told my people, I said, you know, we, you know, basically we, you know, we, we were dealing with the information we had, but knowing what I know now, we'll never shut down again. And I don't care what the government says. Mm. I, I, and I told my people from the pulpit, it was the biggest mistake that I've made in my almost 20 years as a pastor. Um, may, I ask, you know, and, may I ask why you yeah. came to that conclusion? Absolutely. Um, it's Well, it's because it became clear that, you know, at first we were just good citizens buckling down. And then it became clear, you know, Amazon's having record quarters. Walmart, some of these other businesses are open. They can be open, um, you know, it, it, but we couldn't even have 25% capacity with, you know, people spread out and distance or masked or anything. You know, initially we couldn't do that. We weren't allowed to. And, you know, at first I wanted, I worked in the government for five years before I went to the seminary. I was predisposed to give lots of leeway, but then it became clear. And then the Supreme Court in July says that casinos in Nevada can be open, mm-hmm. but the you know, but you can't even have near, uh, you can't have people gather in the church. The U.S. Supreme Court. I said, I said to myself, we're under discrimination here. This this is crazy. Um, so it became clear over time that this wasn't all about safety. That there was a different agenda 
at work here in many quarters. And, and um, you know, if, if all the businesses were shut down and nobody could have anybody in there and we all had to do this or that, but if, if we're going to discriminate um, against some businesses in the church, well, then we're not, you know, we don't have a level playing field here. And so I said, you know, guess what? We're called to worship and we're not going to shut down. So help me, God, as long as I'm the pastor here, I don't care what Caesar says, we're going to be open for word and sacrament. And as Luther said, here I stand. I can do no other. <laughs> you know, and I didn't come I didn't come to that, you know, I came to that very reluctantly um, and not lightly. No, it's the, the idea of um, that you are committed, at, you will be committed to to civil disobedience, I guess, would be the expression. Yeah. And it's it's when you know that the, the issues of right and wrong are clear and you have to make a stand. And uh, I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that over the next few years. Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm actually preaching about gender inclusive, the so-called gender neutral, neutral language stuff this weekend. Oh, boy. Which I do not think the, you know, the, the U.S. House of Representatives last week voted to ban gender-specific language and familial language. And so in the just so happens there's a text in 1 Corinthians 6 that's the three-year epistle reading this weekend um, that I'm going to talk about that. You know, um, And especially since uh, Speaker Pelosi, <laughs> right, right as that was going on, referred to herself as a wife and mother. Right. I, you know, and, and I, I don't want to be political, uh, political here. I just, that is, it's, it's absurd. Um, and there's a different agenda at work here. The gender-neutral gender language is, is an attempt to redefine what a human being is so that people can do whatever they want with their bodies. It's not, it's not out of love or inclusivity or out of compassion. There is a different agenda at work there. Okay, Lance, we're in the last minute, um, and you've really raised some interesting issues here. You know, the left-hand kingdom and the right-hand kingdom, and when the left-hand <laughs> kingdom tells us that we have to do something that we know is wrong, how we respond to it, oh, boy, we've got a lot to think about in the next few years. We do. And as always, it's been great to be with you. And it's great to be a forgiven child of God because, if anything, COVID has show, shown us all how fallen and frail we are and how desperate we would be without God. Um Oh, absolutely. The, 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 the knowledge that everything can go just like that. And the only, the only assurance we have is the assurance of God and the love of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us. Amen. Well, we're going to do this again, Lance. <laughs> I love these conversations. A lot's, a lot's going on. So until next time... Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it, Lance, and we'll be doing this again real soon. God bless you, Kip. Thank you. And to you and to your congregation and family. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In. A weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. 
thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.